This is gonna be fucking fun. presentation of major league a-holes in the hole sponsored by revolution brewing i'm pete i'm ryan you are in the hole with major league a-holes presented by revolution brewing episode 95 tonight uh we have new rules implemented for 2022 uh i think this afternoon they just announced that we have some big free agent signings over the last week that we need to talk about that could have affected uh Probably all five of the teams we discuss here, but they did not. Well, they kind of do in some ways, but yeah. we'll get into in, that. Indirectly. Yeah. We have the or debut. Directly. Yeah. We have the debut of a brand new segment, socks type thing. We'll get into that. We also have the return of two of our favorite segments, Asshole and Aesthetics. <laughs> we the jury's out on that. <laughs> Uh, I've got a little bit of Tigers news, a little bit of Cubs news, and we have some shit you couldn't make up. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Well, we've got uh, new rules implemented today for 2021 that we anticipated. Uh, I think we even talked about these at last week's show. Dude, we're in 2022, man. What did I say, 2021? Yeah. I don't know. That was close. Uh, <laughs> 2022. Uh, we've got expanded rosters. Most likely pitchers will be added to the rosters to take the load of uh, you know such a shortened spring training. Uh, I think there's a lot of fears that pitchers are going to be getting fucked up, hurting their arms and shit if they are put under tremendous loads to start the year off. So they're going to expand the rosters a little bit. Uh, I think that makes sense. I don't I don't see why anyone would have a problem with that. Uh, second rule is the return of ghost runners in extra innings. Uh, a runner will start on second base at the beginning of the 10th inning. Uh, I love this last year. I, I don't, I, I guess everyone, there's a lot of, a lot of hatred for this rule. People hate everything. I, it's, I think by the end of the year, people loved it and they forgot it already because mm. you used to get to the 10th inning after bullpens had dominated the last previous five or six innings of the game. And you just knew there was no chance. And this is going to go multiple innings. It's like it's enough already where, yeah suddenly you'd get a runner on second to start the 10th and I'd be fired up like, Oh my God, we have a chance to score right away here. Something's going to happen. And inevitably it did lots of action right away. It is ridiculous on the surface just to start an inning with a runner on second. It's, it's, I mean, technically it's not fair to the the pitcher or whatever, but it it is fair because both sides can take advantage of it and it just expedites the game. We don't need, 13, 14, 15 inning games. This can hopefully get it done in 10 or la- 10 or 11. So I, I think you were on board with it. I don't remember. I, I'm, I'm even more on board with it now that the, you know, earlier they had ha- how they had announced that uh, double headers are going to be nine innings. So 
Yeah. In the, in the case that one of those goes to extra innings, of course, you know, it'd be great to make sure there's a freaking runner Jeez. on second base and yeah, you're yeah, not out dude. there for, for, you know, 29 innings or something like that. Yeah. It could happen theoretically. I, I think people will get used to it right away. Again, I, I got excited last year when they when they were jumping into into extra innings just because there's the possibility for action where you probably hadn't seen it for the previous few innings. So I think people get yeah. get used to it again. The last one they're calling the Shohei Otani rule. They're allowing a pitcher who is removed from the game to continue to DH to hit in the DH slot if they so choose. Uh, I think that literally only affects Shohei Otani. I can't. It might come up in ways we're we're anticipating. I can't imagine it affecting hardly any other pitchers because um, you'd no. have to lose your DH, you know, to re- have him replaced by your pitcher. And Shohei Otani seems like one of the only pitchers that would be worthy of that. Um, yeah, it is literally a rule put in place for when he pitches. Yeah, I think it's cool though. I mean, why not? Um, it, it might lead to some creativity. Uh, who knows with relievers with Madison Bumgarner maybe as a, as a power power hitting pitcher comes to mind. I don't, I'm not sure it's worth uh, removing your DH for, but who knows? Maybe it le- might lead to other strategies we're not thinking of or some other in- unanticipated consequences. I, I guess I guess my overarching theme, maybe my life philosophy is: don't fear change. See what happens. Check it out. It might be a, might be something good if it sucks. They'll change it back eventually, so we'll get used to it. Uh, I think that's all for the new rules. I think we need to talk about some major free agent signings from last week. Yeah, the rest of the big names are pretty much off the board. Yeah, we've kind of gotten to the point. We were all anticipating a massive influx of free agent signings over a 24-hour period as soon as the lockout ended, but that kind of dragged down for a couple weeks, but... Everything's kind of settling into place finally now. The the major piece of the puzzle is Carlos Correa, uh, rumored to be with the Cubs at one point. Uh, of course, the famous brunch brunch meeting with AJ Hinch and Carlos Correa to get him to go to the Tigers. I have a Atlanta. question. I have a question. Is there going to be an episode where we don't hear about the AJ Hinch brunch? I'm going to pr- try and find a way to bring up the brunch, or at least a brunch. I'll drop in a brunch <laughs> okay. reference in every episode, okay. at least up to episode 100. We're, we're okay. five away after this one, so well, stay tuned God. for that. There's an end, an end in sight. <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe I'll find <laughs> a way to carry it on from there. But, uh, yeah, I think... I mean, I could have seen him landing with either of my teams. I don't think anyone in the world saw him landing with the Minnesota Twins. No. The world was in an uproar as the announcement was made at, made at 2 a.m. Saturday morning, Friday morning, Sunday morning. I forget. Uh, it was 2 a.m. I know yeah. when they, it was overnight. They, the announcement came out. You woke up the next morning like, what the fuck? The Fucking weird ass twins. That's as CC Sabathia famously called them on his podcast one time. I love the idea that the the twins have a reputation just for being a fucking weird ass organization. They do do things strangely, but you could add this one to the list. Um, it's a three year deal, one hundred five million. It's not. It's, it's a, a one. one yeah. It's a one year deal because he can like opt out after the first. Yes, and we, we brought we brought this up last episode. Certainly did not bring up the Twins being a potential suitor there or a landing spot. This actually, and we could have, uh, I didn't didn't connect the dots, but 
when they made that crazy wacky deal with the Yankees and moved Josh Donaldson to the Yankees, the Yankees picked up his $50 million left on his contract. So they had a huge uh, open space in their budget. The twins did. So it, it makes sense where they could, they could drop in, make kind of a, make this kind of unorthodox deal and drop in a big name player for big money. And it doesn't affect their budget because they had already budgeted that money. They didn't know that trade was going to be made or that the Yankees were going to pick up all of Donaldson's salary. So that side of it makes sense in hindsight. Uh, I've heard people speculate that the twins are simply doing this, you know, hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. I'm not sure their, their roster is built to contend this year, but it makes it a little more interesting for sure. Uh, having Carlos Correa there. Um, if that doesn't work though, they could, they could trade him considering he can opt out. He's, he's essentially a free agent after this year. So he'd be a perfect trade deadline candidate. So maybe they could load up on prospects. You know, they'll pay him 35 million this year, load up on, you know, trade him and load up on prospects. So essentially they're paying for the privilege of potentially getting prospects, $35 million. Do you think it changes the balance of power necessarily in the AL Central? That's that's the real question. Well, I mean, Carlos Correa doesn't fix everything for them. So no. seeing as they have pitching issues to begin with and bullpen issues, um, you know, they won't probably have issues hitting home runs again, which they've been doing year in and year out. It's just that they have so many issues elsewhere that that won't be enough. I mean, bringing Gary Sanchez in, you know, that's in that ballpark, you know, you're probably looking at 30 home runs from him. Who knows what you'll get out of Korea, probably somewhere around the same number. So, you know, offensively, they're probably very sound. I mean, do I like the idea of Carlos Correa being in the AL Central? No, no, not at all. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if like all of a sudden you're like, oh, the Twins are going to win the division because I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Was that a weird ass <laughs> Twins fan? <laughs> yes. Right there? I like now, that. now they're making moves. I mean, <laughs> Ga- you know, Gary Sanchez may hit 30 home runs, but he's also going to bat about 220 for you. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's all or nothing. And then uh, who was the other? They also got uh, or G- G- who did they get in that Yankees trade? Gio uh, Urshela or whatever. Yeah, Urshela, I think. Urshela, yeah. And it's like, all right. I mean, he's been like the Yankees are probably happy to get rid of that because he's never materialized what he should be. So, I mean, yeah, we didn't really break down that trade very much. It, it's it's a little more interesting in context now because we th- I compared it to confusing activity with accomplishment. They just sort of moved some pieces around, but they moved some pieces around and then were able to add Correa, which makes it a little more interesting. I think it comes down to, as always, everything comes down to pitching. You know, they can a- add all the offense they want, but it's it's what their what their rotation is capable of in their bullpen. So, I think it doesn't threaten the White Sox. Uh, as the favorites, I think it threatens the the Tigers as we're kind of the in vogue pick to be the second place team in the in the AL Central. I think I think that kind of puts them on even par um, potentially. I think I think that might be the more realistic way to look at it rather than White Sox fans need need to be very nervous about it. But the other interesting thing I I think of with Correa's is. It's injury history. It's, it's a little unfair, but he doesn't play 
162 games ever. He doesn't play hardly over 100 games ever. So you combine that with their other marquee player, Byron Buxton, who has the same affliction. He's an incredible player, but he's just not on the field for enough games. They're they're two main players. Throw Gary Sanchez in that mix. I mean, you've got three guys who won't ever probably be out there at the same time right? yeah. except for the beginning of the season. They're supposed to three guys that are supposed to carry the team that might not even be there. So there yeah. there's potential high risk, high reward for for the the twins. So I think that's another reason we can not be too concerned, but as as our our favorite teams reside in the AL Central, but we'll see. You'll never we'll never know until they play the games, I guess. Uh, another player sign that has some ties to my Tigers, some ties to my Cubs would be Nick Castellanos finally signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. They're over the cap now. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't scared of that, that new cap. I think, what did I hear? It was a, they either, they went over by $10 million or somebody went over by $10 million and with the new tax rate or however it works out. The penalty they're going to pay for going over for one year. Guess how much it's going to be? Ten million dollars. Yeah, if they go over ten million, how much is the tax? The tax on top of that going to be? Uh, the punitive tax that everyone is like, so like, terrified of. Like, like, like. Uh, let me think. Five hundred thousand dollars. It's two million, but again, that we're oh, talking yeah. about. Well, we're talking about like yeah. arbitration differences here. Like that. Yeah. That we spent all this fucking time in the off season worried about this fucking cbt and what the thresholds would be and we're talking about two million dollars at an organization that's paying you know 230 plus million they're worried about paying an extra two million i don't think so no of course the the tax rates go well up way up if you violate it for two or three years so that that's where it kicks in but much ado about nothing uh happy for nick um, he rolled the dice, opted out of his four-year, $64 million deal with the Reds uh, to hit the free agent market again uh, after two years. So he turned, he basically said goodbye to $32 million, but said hello to $100 million in five more years uh, from the Phillies. I think the big question with the Phillies, even though, even though I don't really give a shit about the NL East, who's going to play defense on that team? They just signed uh, Kyle Schwarber. Now they have Nick Cassianos, uh, both famously not very good at defense. Yeah, someone has to play in the field. Yeah, they were already a poor defense to begin with. Um, That that team's going to score some runs, but they are going to give up some runs too, I think. I think maybe that'll make things a little more watchable and interesting in in the NL East, but... Fuck the Phillies. I don't care about that. I'm happy for Nick, I guess. But uh, the big story of the week was, of course, Trevor story. See what I did there? Did you like I, I, that? Great. That was some I'm, of your best. I'm trying to wake you up over there. Why, why, let's get some energy. Some your, it's some of your best work. I, I find <laughs> I find this signing uh, ridiculous. <laughs> uh, that's that's one way to put it. Uh, yeah, the Red Sox gave him six years, $140 million. I mean, what? To play second base. I know that was and all, all that speculation I did all offseason that the Sox could maybe convince them to go over to second base, but it was the White Sox I was talking about, yes. not the Red Sox. Well, you and I were on the same in lockstep on that. I, I was adamant that there was no reason for any of the top 
shortstops out there. They had all the leverage in the world. They would never have to agree to play second. So that's why I thought it was ridiculous that the White Sox would be involved. But literally, he would have played second base for the White Sox, which which would have worked out pretty well for you uh, if the White Sox are willing to give him six years and $140 million. The other interesting thing about that contract is it's the exact same years and dollar amount as the Tigers gave to Javi Baez this offseason. So I guess there's questions for Tigers fans and questions for White Sox fans. Would uh, me as a Tiger fan and all you Tigers fans out there, would you rather have Trevor Story for the exact same money and dollar amount? Uh, He would be playing shortstop at least for the Tigers instead of Javi Baez. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I think their, their wars are actually almost the same. I I'm, I'm really fearful of, uh, Trevor Story's splits, uh, you know, his numbers being put up in the, the low atmospheric pressure, the thin air of Coors Field in Colorado. I think he's not going to have the same kind of numbers at sea level. Uh, so I, I think I'm happy with, Javi Baez over Trevor Story in Detroit. The interesting side for White Sox fans is if he would, you know, that he is playing second base for the Red Sox. If that that would have solved your issue at second base, which I think you can safely say you're going to like, you would like Trevor Story over Josh Harrison and Laurie Garcia platoon. What at second base or or not? Am I am I I making a bad assumption there? Um. Yeah, you are. I mean, that power tandem is is going to be insane this year. No, I I had voiced immediately the originally voiced the idea originally of like way back at the trade deadline. In fact, that could they could they trade for after the trade went through to to get um, to what. Uh, after Madrigal got injured, could they get mm. trade for Story and ask him to play second base? That's right. And I probably should, I probably laughed and looked like a fool. We'll yeah, pull up the episodes. You 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 were you were like, yeah, he's not he's never going to play second base, you idiot. Um, Wait, like your twins accent right there. Yeah, well, that's what you sounded <laughs> like a twins fan. <laughs> but uh, twins fan. but um, yeah, I mean. You know, you it begs the question that the Sox even ask. Probably not, based on that. I, I mean, it's not my money. So if the Sox like have paid him one hundred forty million dollars over six years, whatever. But at the same time, it seems like way too much money with how he's trending, um, mm. performance wise. But you know, it's a better solution, <laughs> at least for a few years, than what we have right now so well he could like if, say if you're, if you're if you're weighing the two yes i'd rather have trevor story at second base yeah i think it, that'd be a formidable formidable move um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna pull an audible healer here and i think you're gonna leads, do the ask call right now yeah i think it leads perfectly to one of our old favorite segments that we like to call asshole. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Clown question, bro. That ain't no kind of answer. I'll answer the question. You're goddamn right. You may fold under questioning. <laughs> 
ask a difficult question, put put our our partner on the opposite side of the camera here on uh, on in a difficult position. Oh yeah. Oof. Unprepared, I did not tell you what this question was. You're right, welcome look. to ask me these difficult questions anytime you would like about my favorite teams. But oh, you know I do. In light of these moves or non-moves for the White Sox, can you say that the 2022 White Sox are actually better than the 2021 White Sox? Uh, I can because I think their young players are going to be yet another year better and another year seasoned. And I can tell you that's what the Sox are banking on. That's why the Sox did not maybe want to spend for whatever reason. And I was wrong. I just, a little caveat update from last week. I looked it up. I, I swear someone said the Sox were at 208, but they're actually at 183 million. So they have plenty of room if they wanted to sign a Trevor story, but 50 million. Um, um, they, um, you know, they, they did not go that route. And, um, but I also think they're not terribly concerned with, like, I I feel like if they were going to sign someone to that length of a deal, they were beginning going after someone a little bit younger, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe same exact stats, but just a little bit younger. Uh, That seems to be how they operate. Um, so if his asking price, I think the length of the contract more so than the money would have been the issue for the White Sox. But yeah. I I do think they will be better. I think they'll be better right off the bat as long as they can leave spring training healthy. I mean, I think right away that changes yeah. the complexion of the team. Um, you know, they basically they basically survived and survived quite well without key components until the end of the season. And now, barring any unforeseen injuries, they're going to have all those components in place from day one. And that changes things dramatically. I think you're right. I think that is exactly how the White Sox are looking at it. Because if you look, they've kind of just shuffled things around, uh, you know, with losing Rodon, but you've got Kopech going into the rotation. But then you have to fill, backfill the the bullpen, which you've done uh, quite quite well with Graverman and Joe Kelly. Um but it it feels like you haven't taken huge steps um, to, to improve improve the roster. But like you said, if current trends continue with your young players, that, that could fill that and, and be the improvement you're looking for. That's assuming progress is linear. There are no regressions. Uh, th- that's It's an optimistic viewpoint. I don't think it's unrealistic necessarily, but I think it is optimistic. Um, I guess that's just where I was coming from. I think you answered the question answered my asshole question quite well without knowing. You probably knew what I was going to ask before before we got there. but yeah, I, There's a myriad of things you could ask because of how the offseason went, so I just didn't know which one it was going to be. The other thing is you're not done. I mean, you, you, I think you know Michael Conforto is still out there. there I think you're gonna, still going to add somebody to your rotation, a fifth starter somehow in free agency. So um, I don't know if that'll be of major consequence considering the name's still out there, but that that would be another way to to shoot my my dumb question down but thanks for playing along i appreciate it hey anytime man anytime i think we should jump into our brand new segment that we are just creating this week socks type thing what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard 
What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Mercy! Yes, folks, I got to tell you, it, it deserves its own segment because I pretty much bring it up every week, but... White Sox Twitter drives me nuts. It does. And, I, I feel and, the brunt of your wrath towards White Sox Twitter more than most because I get a text from you every week. Yeah, like or multiple texts a week, seeing so, the dumb things you see on Twitter from Sox fans. And it's not like, you know, at first it's like, oh, maybe they're joking, but they're not. They're real tweets, and then people reply and agree and pile on. And this is the one. This is the one that that that's there's always a moment that when we add a new segment, something occurs and, and it's finally the moment where this has to become its own segment because there's enough material for it to be pretty much weekly. And this is the one that made me crazy. And we already talked about this individual earlier, but it was Carlos Correa to where White Sox uh, fans had tweeted, well, you know, I'm not that upset that Carlos Correa is with the Twins better than him re-signing with the Astros or the Yankees. And what? Exactly. Do they know so, what division that is? Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> like the idea, I mean, you know, next year will be a little, would be a little bit better if he decides to stay with the Twins because you only got to see him 14 times, but we still have the weighted schedule this year. And with the mm-hmm. weighted schedule, you know, that's 18, was it 18 to 21 games with, you know, you got to deal with Carlos Correa. And it doesn't make beating the Twins any easier. And I ask you, White Sox Twitter Nation, do you understand you have to win the division first or at least have enough wins within that division to make the playoffs? Yes. You're somehow thinking, oh, well, our path to going to the World Series is easier because. We don't have to deal with Carlos Correa on the Astros or Carlos Correa on the Yankees, which I don't know why anyone's jumping to the conclusion that the Yankees are going to make the playoffs because I don't see that as a well. No one should jump to any conclusion that anyone's making yeah, the playoffs. Right, true, so, but like the the whole idea that is clearly what they're doing. The the whole idea that Carlos Correa going to the Twins makes the White Sox life easier is just Ludicrous. about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. You've sent me some doozies, but that, that might be the most yeah. illogic I've heard. I've heard out of White Sox Nation, who are supposed to be the educated fans, uh, baseball well, I, fans I, I in the city of Chicago. I have, I have told you that that narrative is incorrect. I, I've always agreed, and that's kind of why I started this blog, actually, to prove that point. But I'd like to like to hear your reasoning now. Yeah, I mean, it's just like very clear that both sides of town have a bunch of ignorant assholes uh, as, as their fan base. So. I think social media has exposed that. I think yes. the, the the emergence of the White Sox as a perennial contender now well, uh, and, in the last and, couple of years has brought fans out of the woodwork and, and onto Twitter, which just ex- exposes ignorance, and, <laughs> essentially. And, we eventually, after the White Sox won the World Series, because pre-World Series, I was completely on board that the White Sox fans were way more intelligent than Cubs fans. But there's also eighteen to 20,000 people at a White Sox game at that point, and there was 40,000 people at a Cubs game. 
once the White Sox started to draw sellouts and you started listening in the stands, you were like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm in the wrong. Once you add that mix, once you get out of that base of like the the base, the, the tens of hardcore. thousands of base, the hardcore fans and expand upon it, then this is what happens. So I'm sure every fan base suffers it. I know I've listened to New York radio, so I know it's rampant out there. I hear it in Detroit every day. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is what it is, but like that, when I read that, I'm like, we got to, I, I immediately text Smitty and it's like, we have to add the White Sox Twitter nation as its own segment because Bob is not alone in his bad tweets. There's, <laughs> there's lots of, there's, and I'm, I'm kind of upset with Bob, Bob, you know, everything slowed down now for a little bit. Bob is, is kind of dormant. He's like a bear I, now. Yeah, I've seen him. I've seen some egregious typos, but not enough yeah. to make a whole segment about. We've all, yeah. we all have our typos, I guess. Yes, we all have typos, but Bob. Oh, Bob. I think the moral of the story is every team has hardcore fans that are highly knowledgeable. Every team has ignorant fans that have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. And Twitter is a cesspool full of ignorant fools. Essentially. Yes. So, yeah. Like so if, if we can continue this segment. Uh, going forward, that'll be our, our underlying theme is that not all White Sox fans are idiots, not all Cubs fans are idiots, not all anyone's fans are idiots, but Twitter seems to bring out the the worst in all of us. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's one thing to, to tweet that. It's another thing to have 100 people agree with you. And, and that's where <laughs> that's where my stomach begins to turn. That's where you so. need to shut off the social media at some point. Um, but or start a segment on your podcast yes, called exactly. Sox type thing and vent about it. Yes, exactly. I love it. And you see what, what? we did there, folks. In Twitter, you type, so it's a <laughs> Sox type thing. Just in case, in case any of you Twitter Sox fans are listening right now, I thought I'd break it down for you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna go right over their heads, but yeah. Anyone. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, will not be appreciated until long after we're dead. A couple of uh, a couple of White Sox notes. Probably one that I find mildly disturbing that we had a, a five-second conversation on before we got mm. on here is the fact that somehow uh, there was uh, some pre-arbitration numbers traded between Lucas Giolito and the team of $7.45 million and $7.4 million to avoid arbitration. Um, then that would be $50,000. Yes. $50,000 less, less than 1% of what that contract would be worth is what but they were squabbling over. They, they couldn't get there. They couldn't get there. Couldn't so find a way. They go, they're going to arbitration and the number was 7.5 and, and 7.3. Then I think that's standard procedure. Like you yeah. just move back off of your original offers, just kind of yeah. so, assuming you're going to meet in the middle just to position yourself for argument's sake. But it's a little disturbing that the Sox couldn't pony up the $50,000 to yeah. Just appease your the, your ace right now. And kind this, of, this is kind of basically like, should we be surprised though after what we just witnessed in the CBT with ownership and things yeah. like that? Because one of the popular theories is this is just um, the White Sox trying to get a placeholder in place and, and uh, before they sign him to a long-term deal. But, you know, 
it's not going to much like the much like what we just saw in the CBT. It's not going to start the negotiations off on a good foot. You know that he had a you got to spend some time in in the legal the legal baseball system going to arbitration to, and I'm sure he'll get the seven point five million. His numbers dictate it. So yeah. He was upset. I mean, the, yeah. the interview with him, he used the word upset. He said it was yeah. upsetting. It was disturbing. It was frustrating. And that's kind of not where you want your ace pitcher's mindset to be, you know, two weeks before the season starts. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing that is even more disturbing about it is I just mentioned they are only have $183 million. Yeah. They've got, they've got, Fifty million dollars a room. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not like it's not like it was gonna, you know. And even if they went over by fifty thousand dollars, they probably have to pay like ten bucks. So I mean, it's like, well, it's, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's like there's no reason not to just be like, other than they're arguing on, on principle. Essentially, they don't want to set a precedent to, yes. you know, to capitulate to yeah. even their even exactly. their most beloved players. But it's just a, a weird hardline stance to take at a, a weird time with a weird, a player that just doesn't deserve to be treated like that. So, yeah. I mean, at the same time, like it's both sides, not wanting to give in when you're arguing over $50,000. So yeah. I'm not saying Lucas Giolito should have took $50,000 less, but, and I'm not saying the white, I'm definitely not saying the white Sox shouldn't have given them $50,000 mm -hmm. more, but the fact that you couldn't even meet in the middle and, and say 25 and call it a day. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean should we do a go? Should Sox fans have a go fund me <laughs> to bridge the gap? Like to get this, I mean, get this taken care of. I mean, now, now it'll just go and he'll get 7.5 and the Sox are out 50 more thousand dollars than they would have been if they just had agreed to it, which is actually the irony of the whole thing. So good for them. Uh, I heard some hyperbole over this, of course, on Chicago Sports Talk Radio this afternoon, the Spiegel and Perkins show. Yeah. They uh, they went to went to such lengths to say this reminded them of the spat between the Cubs and Chris Bryant, the service time manipulation. Oh, right. He was upset about for the next six years, essentially. I, I can't believe it would be to that level because that, that's they're talking about 20 20 million dollars in his last year of arbitration up to free agency that has now paid him what was it 180 million is that what he made so yeah we're, uh, this is costing giolito you know fifty thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars whatever it is so it's not it's not nearly to that level but to create a a bad business atmosphere between your players and your organization is it's never great i don't think it's necessarily debilitating or means that Giolito is going to have spite towards the White Sox from here on out and is going to do everything to get the fuck out as soon as he can. I think that that would be hyperbole, but that, that's where some shock jocks were going. I actually love Spiegel and Parkins, but I thought that was a little bit ridiculous and a little disingenuous on their part, but I wanted to throw it in there just for yeah. some hyperbole for the yeah, day. I mean, I, I think as long as they give him a fair, you know, contract, it, all things will be forgiven and forgotten. But, That's the thing. If they, you know, they'll settle tomorrow or whenever the arbitration case is heard, and it'll never be a, you know, never come up again. He's, you know, Giolito's pissed off today, but he, yeah, he he might be fine right now. You know, three yeah. hours later, who knows? So right. Um, a more fun little thing I I did because you know we've had a whole like week of spring training is 
looking at the spring training results from uh, for possible right field candidates uh, on the White Sox, and I got to tell you, the numbers are staggering, folks. <laughs> Mika okay. or Odelfo, who I penciled in as a candidate for right field, especially since he's out of options. OPS oh. OPS currently 1.757. Book it. Season over. World <laughs> Series champs. MVP. <laughs> Cespedes 1.308 OPS. Whoa. Andrew Vaughn 1.227 OPS. Nice. Here's the best one. Gavin Sheets, 400 OPS. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I don't know. That, what happened that, there? I just thought <laughs> I'd throw that one in there. Um, but, you know, I mean, of course, this means nothing. It's right, training. The ball flies in Arizona. But when you're. It's better with, than having everyone at a 400 OPS. Yeah, you're. Like, you know, a Gavin Sheets 400 OPS probably isn't realistic for the rest of the season, nor any of the other numbers. I mean, Vaughn could, if he played regularly, probably Mm. have an over 1,000 OPS with his power. That's close to an MVP right there. But um, Or near it. But, I mean, I don't think Suspidus has a chance to make the roster this year. They want him. this year. No, they want him down to get more. Is he but, 19 or how old is he now? Or do they even know how old he is? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he's early 20s. But Oh, I think he's pretty young, but he's got lots to lots yeah. of seasoning. I don't think there's any reason to rush him up. You've got, like you said, you've got other options. Um, but I just thought that was funny because, you know, because uh, I, I don't know that, again, I know Conforto's the name that comes up over and over again, but uh, I'm not a big fan. I like my trade ideas better, but yeah. But anyway, that is what it is. But I thought that was fun to just bring up the whole right field situation. So that was fun. Good work. Hey, thanks, man. Well, another fun segment that it's actually going to involve the White Sox, but I thought we'd segue nicely is. One of my favorites, one of your least favorites. It's a fan favorite, allegedly. <laughs> it is aesthetics. Hey, Kramer, what do you think of this shirt? It's too busy. You know what you two look like? What? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest with you. You look like a fool. Can I say one thing to you? And I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fabulous. Uh, I am a graphic designer by trade. I am obsessed with logos, uniforms, uh, hats, jerseys, all of it. The, the design aspects of baseball. So... That is partly why I'm I'm a baseball fan. I work in the baseball industry as a graphic designer, so I'm always looking at these things and have periodically noticed uh, issues with uniforms, logos, etc. that would be worthy of bringing up on this podcast. And we saw one this week. It might be trivial to many, probably to you over there, Pete. And it was not to me. as we actually discussed the White Sox spring training hats off the air after last week's episode, uh, 
mainly because we thought both thought they were fucking awesome. They had the the S logo with the what are they stars in the middle or just dots? Yeah, it's like the I think it's like nineteen nineteen logo or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's a black with a red outline with white white spots in the middle on a black hat. I think you, I think originally it was supposed to be on navy blue, but of course that doesn't fit your current color scheme. But yeah, the original yeah the original color would be on navy blue, but it's it's badass looking. I think they're badass. And when, while we were discussing that, I did not realize that all spring training hats were actually trucker style hats. Yeah, they got the mesh. They've got the mesh. They don't have the snapback, but they do have the mesh that is famous with, with trucker style hats. And it did become an issue this week with uh, cult hero Jake Berger, uh, a bald man, actually, fellow bald man, as I am removing my cap to reveal my bald head that I've had for 25 years now. Uh, Jake and I suffer the same affliction. Uh, I where basically for the last 25 years I have worn fitted baseball caps, uh, mainly because I think they're awesome, but they also cover up my dome quite well and protect me from the sun. I've had to give up trucker hats. Uh, I've seen a few trucker hats I wouldn't mind wearing, but it's off my list because I would get sunburned through my through the mesh. You're not a trucker hat guy necessarily, are you? Uh, I got, no, I got a few. In fact, snapbacks. Uh, what do you yeah, got? Yeah, but there? I've got uh, this is a snapback with a with a full full on like wool wool back but yeah not that um much. but i do have a the other white socks hat i wear is a mesh back okay so you do have that yeah i'm I also I'm, avoid I'm getting i'm definitely getting this cap by the way all right well i also avoid snapbacks because of the the semi-circle on the back i'd have that weird tan line that would that'd be in the back of my head the half circle so, so i have to avoid problems. that as well well it'd be nice to have hair but these are the things the things bald men have to deal with and Jake Jake Berger had to bring up that he's got an issue with whoever designed those spring <laughs> training caps at New Era, uh, and showed up shared a picture of his sunburned head in a the bizarre mesh pattern with a few stripes going down each side. Uh, he got the sunburn on the head because standing out in the in the sun in Arizona with a mesh cap, being a bald man is just not it's not conducive to, to it, good scalp it, health. I mean, I have a few questions on this, right? Um, I mean, one doesn't doesn't suntan does it doesn't a uh, doesn't a sunscreen help? It does. Is is the uh, is the flesh on the head? Does it not uh, accept sunscreen? I mean, well, I, I asked well. this I asked this question because while I find I found his post, I mean, he was being tongue in cheek about it. Um, I found it hilarious. At the same time, I'm like, Jake, just get some sunscreen, boy. Well, take it easy over there, Baron Von Hairstyle. Look at this. Look at this. Hair. Look at this, folks. If you're <laughs> that watching. I will admit I'm extremely jealous of as I lost. I had a, to, I had a full head of hair as a 24-year-old. <laughs> yeah. That lo- left, my, left my cranium long ago. Uh, there's a few things you need to know that you would have okay. no idea about. But give me, give me it. You need to know the Caucasian male scalp oh, was God. never designed to accept the UV rays of a sun. Oh, uh, it is. Is this science? Is, is this science we're going doing right now? This is fucking science. It Smitty is goes ex- science. 
<laughs> it is extremely sensitive to sun. Okay. I would say I never, I just avoid the whole issue and just always wear the fitted caps with no mesh. That, that's been my solution. Uh, I, there's no way Jake Berger went out there without sunscreen on his head. I say he had sunscreen on and it still burned through because it is that sensitive. He's standing out there. Well, I don't know if he was out there for three hours, but he was probably outside for quite some time, if not during the game. Uh, that the, he, Even with sunscreen, it would still burn your head eventually. And that's why it's a, it's a, it's trouble, trouble for a, a white bald man. It's just, that's just a fact. So hmm. he did come up with a solution though. I don't know if you saw this in a tweet the next day. He found either did it himself or found a clubby to sew in a like a material insert into the inside of his hat, uh, some black material that would cover up the mesh, cover up his head, but you'd still, you know, of course it would be still mesh on the outside, so it would have the same look. So I'm wondering if uh, New Era is rushing into production some mesh hats with a with a some sort of material insert to well, give the the mesh hat look, but then have have it be able to protect the scalp, the I, fragile scalps of white bald men like us. I, one uh, one um, online uh, publication covered the fact that Verlander does not like he's 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 yeah. got hair, but he 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 does not like the trucker cap, so he actually has. Uh, his spring training cap is just a regular baseball cap. It is. Yeah. I think so uh, maybe Jake Berger just doesn't have enough pull to get yeah. a regular cap. I well, mean, he certainly does not have the same pull Justin Verlander does. I can no, but that, like, but... you think, you think like Obrey, Obrey, you could call it a favor or something for Somebody. him. I mean, I mean, Somebody's got to help out, help out the bald man from some, from time to time. Like Maybe, uh, Yasmani or something. Someone just one of you veterans calling a favor and get him a regular cap like Verlander has. Verlander's like, I'm not wearing that shit. I'm, I'm just give me a cap. I want a baseball cap. <laughs> I think that would be a pretty, pretty simple solution. Let him wear a different hat. But I think uh, we can sum this up by that. That burger was well done. Oh, <laughs> well, well, I that's think that we need to take a break. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that's enough for that segment. That's enough for this first half of the show. Holy shit. I think let's go ahead and take a break here on the Wordhole Media Network. Wordhole Media. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood, too. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. And oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut, jerk. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. The Limpidness Podcast. Just a couple of Chicago pricks united by our hatred of the University of Michigan football and the Chicago Bears. Find us at limpidness.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You recovered from that? I'm still comedy infusion. I'm still working on it, but luckily, you know, (laughs) the next, the next, uh, the next segments are are your team. So, (laughs) well, I'm I'm gonna make you participate in these, so don't worry. Oh, okay. I'm not worried. Well, the Cubs made major headlines today. Did they sign a soccer team? Yeah, that was last week. Uh, No, I think they're still working on that. Yeah. 
okay. couldn't afford a couldn't afford a shortstop, but they can afford a four billion dollar soccer team. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, no, the big big news this today. Uh, new slogan for the year. Oh, uh, to regale us Medi- uh, in previous years. Come had, watch the mediocrity. Yeah, we've had Cub together, mm. which I think was one of the worst. Everybody in was a recent one, which I think is okay. Uh, that's Cub is one of the worst. Mm. Uh, this year, it's oh, what's it called? It's different here. Well, that's, that I would agree. I, that's the most that's the most uh, accurate statement they've ever made. It is definitely yeah. different there. I mean, slogans are ridiculous. It's just marketing, marketing, whatever. I think the Cubs seem to have a new one every year. I think other team, every team has one. Whether they change it every year is is up to up to their marketing departments. The Tigers have had Detroit roots for quite some time, which I think is decent. Uh, White Sox have changed the game. You had, you had another one a couple of years ago, let I the mean, kids play or maybe. Well, no, no, that's, ball. that's yeah. As they were rebuilding before the world series, it was the kids can play. Mm. I like that. Um, yeah. Change the game. I think I would probably be making fun of the Cubs as much as it's different here. If the Cubs had come up with that, um, I don't know. I just I thought it was funny enough to bring up. Uh, you're not. Do you still have changed the game? Is that where the uh, you know I was trying to be, find or? that. I I, uh... I think probably every team's going to be releasing something this week. If they are, I don't think they're in. They have to do it in unison. But um, thought it was just fun enough to bring up. As, I, I just as, keep getting the news that the Cubs slogan is it's different here. Yeah. Well, it certainly is, folks. It certainly is. Well, in other Cubs news that affects, uh, has a direct effect on at least me as a Tiger fan, is the incestuous relationship between the Tigers and Cubs continues as they just seem to be swapping players back and forth. Uh, Cubs signed Drew Smiley, uh, starting pitcher with the Tigers a few years ago. Always liked Drew Smiley. He's just always hurt. Uh, he's missed entire seasons due to major injuries. So, you know, as they say, there are no bad one-year deals. Uh, Cubs signed him to a one-year. I think it's well. It, there's an option for a second year, but it, it's going to total, I think, five point two five million guaranteed. Uh, there are no bad one-year deals, so that's fine. Hopefully, he is finally healthy. He can be a real asset if he is. Um, that's the big question, though. Another former Tiger, Daniel Norris, was signed into the Cubs bullpen. Uh, I've wanted this guy to be awesome for a long time. He's got a cool personality. He is the famous surfer dude that lived in a lived in a van down down by the beach in, in spring training. He literally used to. I don't know if he still does this, but when he was spring spring training in Florida, he would famously live in his VW van in a parking lot. Uh, he is a former lug nut. Uh, so I know a little bit about him. I think I've told these stories before, but he's a, he's a skater surfer dude. Uh, he would actually a little bit of insider information that could get him into trouble uh, when he was with the blue Jays organization uh, as the lug nuts were, he would ride his skateboard from his apartment to then Cooley law school stadium and ask our, my friends in the marketing department to hide his skateboard because he wasn't supposed to be doing that. 
and wanted to make sure nobody from the Blue Jays knew that he was actually riding a skateboard. Um, he's never really amounted. He, he's got all the tools. Um, seems like he should be a lights-out reliever. It could have been a starter. It just never quite put it together with the Tigers. Um, hopefully he can with the, with the, with the Cubs. Um, we'll see if that, that works out, but kind of a couple inconsequential signings this week. Jonathan Villar is another, I don't know a ton about him, but that's the news we have at least for this week with the, with the Cubs. Uh, Segwaying over to my Tigers. Uh, they made a signing of their fifth starter, Michael Pineda. <laughs> yeah, he will be their fifth starter, which is a little bit underwhelming. I think you almost made the the prices right uh, fail trombone. Burm, burm, burm. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame he's the fifth starter and not the third because I'd love to see him in that opening series. Mm, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, hopefully, we don't see him a whole lot. I've never been a big fan. The first thing that pops into my head with Pineda, of course, is when he was at the Yankees and had a huge smudge of pine tar in his neck and got, <laughs> yeah, he got ejected from he the game. He got ejected from it. the game. Yeah. It's like, dude, you, how did you not? First of all, it's dumb to be cheating that much, but how could you not think someone would see you cheating? Like, what the fuck is the thought process there? But yeah, exactly. The second thing that comes to mind is he is a fucking enormous human being. Yeah, he's the, a big dude, man. The photo they showed of him was not flattering when the, when the breaking news graphic came across that former twin would uh, Michael Pineda would be a Detroit Tiger. Um, he had a rather large gut. Uh, the uh, podcast I listened to, The Compound, which I've mentioned before, it's Ian Happ from the Cubs. Uh, Dakota, I always forget his last name, a prospect with the Cubs, and Zach Short, who was formerly with the Cubs and now is a Tiger, bringing up that incestuous relationship between my two favorite teams. Um, they, they, uh, Zach Short mentioned Pineda was in camp this week, and he just pointed out that he is the biggest person he's ever seen in his life. You, if Zach Short stood behind him, you'd have no idea that Zach Short was even there. Pineda is that large. I think he's listed at like 260 pounds but he's got to be pushing close to 300 i get none of it matters if he can throw i just have never been impressed uh with his numbers i mean maybe maybe he can maybe there's something underneath the numbers that he put up in minnesota last year that the tigers saw and can capitalize on his weight uh, <laughs> yes beneath the numbers um yeah kind of like the the six pack beneath the gut yeah it's there. Uh, other new, other Tigers news today. Chris Illich, the owner of the team, actually spoke up, kind of in a defensive manner, as uh, addressing issues that I brought up last week with you. That the perception of the Detroit Tigers might be that they are cheap, or that specifically Chris Illich is cheap, and maybe his dad wasn't so much. You and I talked briefly last week about. Uh, specifically Lawrence Holmes on the yes. score last week thought was putting the Tigers in the same boat with the Pittsburgh Pirates as the, one of those teams that always just pockets revenue sharing money and doesn't spend and just, you know, doesn't try to win. I'm like, well, that, that is not the history of the Tigers whatsoever. They've spent, they've spent more on free agents than the White Sox ever have. And in fact, in this off season, they've spent more than the White Sox ever have. So I think, 
specifically though chris illich is is trying to come out under from underneath the shadow of his successful father uh the the criticism has come in the you know certainly in the years the few years since Mike Illich has died, the Tigers have not been a contending team, and they have not spent a whole lot on free agents. But there kind of really isn't a reason to spend a whole lot of money on a team that really spent way too much for twenty years and eventually has the hangover and has to has to clean up the party after after it's over and has to rebuild. And it's been a slower slower than hope hope for process but it is we are starting to see them come out of that and we are starting to see them spend the money uh, accordingly which makes sense to me they spent over 230 million dollars on free agents now this this offseason so the the other part of his defensive uh stance today and i think guess why he felt he needed to speak to the media which you don't often see with owners was uh the news that came out during the lockout that yes, he yes. was one of the four GM or four owners that came out against raising the CBT at all from, it was at 210 million. He voted against it being 220 million even. And his argument today was that's noise. He's saying that's not even true. Wherever Ooh. that report came from. And he points to the fact that he did in fact, in in truth voted for our current collective bargaining agreement as that was reported and accurately so that it was unanimous all owners agreed to raise the cbt to 230 million dollars 20 million dollars over what it was and subsequently higher so whether he did or didn't uh there there may not have even been a formal vote all of those things are are questionable before before we actually had a new collective bargaining agreement we don't know that he was really one of the four or how that worked out. I think he probably was. I think there are, might be reasons for that beyond being cheap, which would be the surface level argument against him. Uh, you could say he's the owners <laughs> were kind of fighting amongst themselves. Uh, some teams had no problems with it going way up. Other teams wanted to make sure uh, total salaries were going to be kind of compressed into a, a, a smaller area. And I think, I think uh, the teams uh, we root for in the AL Central are kind of in the same boat there where the New York Mets might not give a fuck. The, the Dodgers might not give a fuck. The Yankees might not give a fuck how much they spend. So I, I think that kind of speaks more towards not necessarily the, the, the owners against the players in that, at that moment. It was the owners against the owners, two factions of the owners uh, going at each other. So, I don't know. I could be wrong about all that. I still think it's unfair to judge Chris Illich, uh, especially to call him cheap after he's spent quite a bit of money in, in this offseason alone. I almost think some, this is kind of back to our discussion about dumb fans uh, or Twitter and, and fans in general. I think a lot of a lot of fans get on Tiger fans get on Twitter and forget that it was just three months ago that he spent all this money. You know, if we had just got Javi Baez this week for $140 million in six years. If we had just gotten Eduardo Rodriguez for five years and $77 million, I don't this week, I don't think Tigers fans would be complaining that Chris Illich was cheap, but it happened three months ago. So it right. goes out of their mind and it doesn't, doesn't fit their narrative that we didn't get Carlos Correa like everyone hoped for. So I think it's uh, kind of spoiled fans just being acting like children. So, 
You know, I I guess back to what Illich said. Yeah. You know, the the loophole in what he said could be he was noted as voting against it pre like one of the rounds prior to the final agreement, which he may have voted for it in the final agreement. That is exactly what he's saying. He, he's saying he voted for the $230 million agreement that we have. Right. It, but it's unanimous. So yeah, but he's saying the rest of it is all bullshit. But the story came out that he voted to, it was on March 4th when it was said that he voted against it, which was when and then the union rejected the league's proposal anyway. So he, it's, it's all I'm saying, it doesn't matter really all that much at the end of the day, but it was after we were talking about, it was funny because it was after we were talking about, we don't really know about Chris Illich. We know his dad liked to spend money. Yeah. And then that report came out the next day. And then we still didn't have baseball for another week and a half. And then finally the agreement was signed. So right. after a couple more rounds of changes, so yeah, sure. He did vote again. He did vote for it in the final round, mm-hmm. but he may have voted against it two rounds earlier. I think he probably did. He's, he's not, he's not flat out denying that he called that noise. He's saying that nobody really knows what happened in those votes, which is fine. I, I think, he, he might be lying hey, about that, the, whatever. It, I think that what's notable about this is that he felt compelled to talk to the media about it today, one way or the other. He's he's offended or concerned about that perception. Yeah, he's concerned about the perception. Yeah, so I think that's, that's what's notable about this, that he's bothering to even talk, because you don't hear owners talk very often at all at any point, let alone at this point and talk about finances, so... Maybe he's a bit thin-skinned. Maybe he's worried about his own personal brand. I don't know. I don't think it really matters because if the Tigers win, he's going to be the city's hero. If the Tigers don't, he's going to be a problem no matter what. So Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, none of our owners are angels. So who, who, whatever. Unless you're Artie Moreno, who also... <laughs> Voted <laughs> true, but he voted against it. Yeah, he, that was the that was the other funny part of that story with the four. The richest one voted against it, right? Is he yeah, the richest, or is the new, or is the Mets owner the richest Mets is, now? Mets is the well, he's not even. The, there's one other that's richer than than uh, Stephen Cohen, I think. Maybe uh, not, but Artie Moreno's up there. So that was what yeah. was also remarkable about the idea that he didn't want the the CBT to go up anymore. So the, the, there's weird stuff with that vote, whether whether it was accurate reporting, inaccurate, whether it was a misunderstood, uh, it's strange and it all really doesn't matter when it comes down to it. We have a new collective bargaining agreement with a with a higher CBT. So, well, I think that leads to our final segment of this episode: shit we couldn't make up. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> For a Sturkey Cemetery. Come on to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. <laughs> One of those high-spending teams that we have talked about over and over again, the New York Yankees. A story that has been covered here before. Yes, I actually looked it up. We 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 talked about this two years ago, just just under two years That's ago. That's crazy because it doesn't seem when I saw that I saw that this is happening, and I'm not going to give it away yet. That um, yeah. I. I uh, I was like, 
oh, that was just last year, wasn't it? But wow. Yeah, it's amazing. It's after we started this podcast. It was a, a, a potential Yankees scandal that was tied to the Houston Astros cheating scandal. And I, I don't want to go into all the details again. There's a lawsuit that was filed uh, against basically against the Major League Baseball, but specifically the the Astros because some gamblers felt aggrieved that the game wasn't on the up and up uh, and were trying to recoup their losses uh, because the Astros were cheating. So the results were unreliable. So their gambling losses were not valid. So somehow the, the Yankees also got tied into that because there is a letter that from Rob Manfred's office that show that allegedly shows there could that the Yankees were involved with a cheating scandal of their own around the same time that suddenly became evidence in this case that they thought was unrelated. Uh, but it's, it's probably going to be revealed now after two years of this letter being sealed, it will now be opened. I believe in two weeks from now, uh, much to the Yankees and major league baseball chagrin. They've been fighting this all the time. They do not want that letter open for whatever reasons. Um, they literally said it would be embarrassing to the organization and it just leads to wild speculation. What, what could possibly be in that letter that they also said at the same time, all of the information in that letter is public knowledge. So that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. If everything's public knowledge, what would be, what could possibly be embarrassing to you? Yeah. So that leads to conspiracy theories that there is a, a much larger cheating scandal involved that, uh, the Yankees could have been involved to, with a cheating scandal uh, tantamount to what the the Astros were vilified for all this time. Um, they might be the same level of cheaters. And somehow Rob Manfred possibly even protected the Yankees organization uh, knowing about the cheating and tried to cover it up. And that's where you and I were speculating two years ago that the cover-up could be worse than the actual crime itself much like in the famous Watergate scandal. If, if President Nixon had just come clean and not tried to obscure justice, obfuscate justice, what's the word I'm trying to come up with? Whatever. Uh, skirt justice, if he had just come clean, we, he would never have had to have resigned eventually. And uh, we were gleefully speculating that Rob Manford might have to resign eventually because of this. Yes. Uh, if, if basically I was basing that on if he had perjured himself somehow in this case and it was found out to be a lie. I don't think that's probably the case at all. I, was, I have not heard that brought up in the two, in the subsequent two years after we brought it up. So maybe I was making stuff, something up, but were you searching for obstruction of justice? Before? Obstruction. Thank you. Thank Jesus. you. There you are. Thanks right. podcast. partner. Yeah, hey. <laughs> You're there for me. Yeah. Um, it's late, but thanks. Uh, uh, good, the good, the the good news is on this whole thing. As I let you know, Oliver Stone has bought the rights to do this film. This is where I wanted to go with this. This is this yeah. was your your funny your funny reply to my yeah. text about this. Yeah, this week. Oliver Stone has bought the rights. You know, he's obsessed with films that have to do with sealed documents and uncovering conspiracies. conspiracies the so. Truth behind the truth. What's really um, happening in this world? Um, I'm hoping it's maybe like not. I don't know that we need a motion picture. I'm I'm hoping for like a four to six parter on maybe Netflix or uh, Amazon Prime. Here's my question. Uh, yeah. What What is it called? What What would Oliver Stone call this? 
based on his based on his litany of, of uh, movies. It's pretty simple, well, simple movie titles typically. Yeah. Um, like yeah the I mean, obvious obvious one would be Natural Born Cheaters. That's just <laughs> that's just silly. Uh, uh do you have any I've got a list, but if you if you've got if you've got I didn't bring this up before, but if you had anything that popped into your head. Oh I could, man. Uh, yeah. Um I thought of Born on the Fourth of July two. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds ridiculous, but it's famously. So wait, do you? George, so would, George would, Steinbrenner would, was born on Fourth of July. Do we think this film would focus on the entire scandal of baseball, or why, or would it focus solely well, on on the unstealing of the document that you know, indicts the Yankees? So could it? You be know, called, Oliver Stone couldn't couldn't contain himself to one conspiracy theory. So I it mean, would, the tentacles would go everywhere. So but, it could. It but, could be, but it could go. In but many since directions. it stems from the Yankees, it could be called NYY. Aha! Yes, yes, that's great. Um, uh, I was thinking just something silly, like simple, like Fall of the Yankees might be something he would do. But I think that I think what it's going to be called is it's going to focus on some obscure character, much like uh, JFK did, where he had that Louisiana lawyer that Kevin yes. Costner played. Yes. It still was called JFK, but I think he's going to focus the whole thing on Cashman. Like, it's just a, <laughs> Cashman. It's just a, it's just a perfect movie. movie name. Perfect, perfect name for the Yankees GM for one thing. Couldn't be more perfect, but it's a perfect Oliver Stone conspiracy movie movie title for something involving the Yankees. So the Cashman. The Cashman. <laughs> Inside the scandal of the Yankees that shook the baseball world. <laughs> Now you see, I just see a map of the, the AL East <laughs> with all the different strings tied to tied around it with pins and all sorts of markers and shit. I uh, hope Seinfeld's in it in some role. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that's all I've got for this week. Unless you had anything to add to this conversation, this ridiculous conversation. I have nothing to add to this subjects. conversation, but I just have uh, to. I will confirm that I was correct on Cespedes. He is 24 years old. Wow, he is early much... 20s, so mid 20s almost now. Oh, so. you better get him out there. He's going well, to age say, quickly. Yeah, I know. They he may pass uh, his prime by next year. Maybe, maybe we're maybe we maybe we're wrong. Maybe he does have a shot at making the roster this year. Potentially, I haven't so. heard that yet, but why not? Yes. Got that OPS over a thousand. I mean, he's he's <laughs> at thirteen oh eight, but I mean, Adolfo is gonna just take the socks of the promise line with that one seven five seven MVP. Say MVP. Well, uh, I think we can wrap this episode ninety five up. We're getting close to one hundred. Wow, I mean, we're thinking gonna, about what, what special yeah. shit we're gonna do for that. I don't know. It's gonna be about a month from now. That'll be we'll be well into the season. We'll see how that. See how that goes. We'll start brainstorming here. Or hey, people on social media, send us your ideas. What should, what should, should we do for episode 100? Shoe flash you. Maybe you'll probably just say shut the fuck up for an entire episode. Who knows? But that would maybe, be typical. Maybe as a celebration for the 100th episode, we won't hear about the brunch or, <laughs> or aesthetics. But I, I mean, think... I think we'll do an all aesthetics uh, episode and an all brunch. No, I think I think for the comes with a piece ep- of cantaloupe. I think for the I think for the hundredth episode, we need to do some uh, ceremonious um, accolades for like all of our segments or something like that. Just oh, as a best. general maybe, idea, maybe our best asshole of the week. Or yeah, best. maybe maybe we start. We 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 the ba- unfortunately baseball 
in a way uh, in the off season and it's usually never positive stuff. It has too many things to ever like we talk about these segments we're going to do to fill the space of the off season. Then we don't have to because because yeah, Rob so Manfred's such a jackass <laughs> that he he basically like takes all these ideas away. But I'm thinking maybe we can, you know, officially kick off that anti-hero Hall of Fame, you know, ah, I like that. Yeah, we can we can kick that off and we could have our. Uh, maybe the asshole hall of fame also uh, kicks off or time asshole. I like that. Yeah. So we'll, 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 we'll be working on some stuff, folks. We'll so, noodle I mean, on it. I mean, I know it's, it's still f- five episodes away guys, but something to look forward to. Like we're uh, clicking them off every week now. So it's yeah. going to come up quick. Yeah. So don't forget to tune in. I mean, we'll, we'll highly advertise this hundredth episode to all <laughs> 102 of you. So, uh, <laughs> Well, you will be finding those advertisements on our social media at Major League A-Holes. You'll find us on YouTube as well. You'll find our website at Major League A-Holes. You can find our merchandise at aesthetics.store, A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S. There's some new shirts up there, guys. That's right. And you can find this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that, I'm going to (laughs) declare. Oh, my God. This podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, hey. S-S-H-O-L-E. And I'm proud of it. Word Hole Media.